Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Slasher Scotty. I am your host, Scotty McCoy, and I have the COO, Chief Operating Officer of Gravestone Films, also the associate producer on an independent film that Gravestone Films came out with, Sal, and he also played Will in the movie. His name is Carl Miller. Hello, Carl. How are you doing? Hey there. Why do I feel like we should have some like wrestling intro music when you say those names? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Like I just have that feeling. I know I wanted that was this is the first interview I believe I did it on. I kind of tested it with Tony, but I didn't go nearly as long doing the whole welcome thing. I like that from Busted Open. Thought it would be kind of cool. <laughs> so I thought yeah, it was I like that. Yeah. So I have a couple of questions about maybe 12 of them or so. Uh the first one I have is uh how did you first find out and then later get involved with Salon? Well, um, I've done some extra work, and that was kind of just something I like to do on the side, try and find little extra roles. And uh, my buddy Charlie, who had done some stuff with me, he saw um, the posting on Facebook about auditions and um, et cetera, et cetera. So he told me about it. I was staying in the loop. Um, but then apparently I had... A chance to go cross country, help a friend move, so I wasn't able to be in town for the auditions. And I know you reached out to me, and I was a little apprehensive because I didn't feel like I fit any of the roles. Um, but I remember asking you about this might be going way back, but about behind the scenes stuff. But that's kind of how I kind of got involved with Sam Hain. It worked out that way. Right. Sowin, Sowin, sorry. <laughs> 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 I know. It was funny because uh, I'll actually tell a little story first. Um, when we first, it was the executive team originally when Gravestone first started, well, back in June 23rd, 2018. And uh, the executive team was me, Ben, and Scott Yagolinski. And uh, I said, and we were thinking of a first project we should do. And I'm, I'm like, like a title and everything. We had kind of a plot and everything, which was kind of similar to what we have here. But uh, I'm like, we need to think of a title. And I came up with, uh, I said, how about Samhain? And Yags goes, Sam what? I'm like, Samhain. He's like, do you mean Samhain? I'm like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I think I mean Samhain. He's like, it's pronounced Samhain. I'm like, not in Halloween 1 and 2. He goes, watch Halloween 3 because Donald Pleasance doesn't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> Halloween 3, they say it correctly. But yeah, so... Uh, but yeah, um, so yeah, and then I asked you to be involved as you know an associate producer, you know, to help out on set and everything, and you were awesome to do that. And then I know, but I know I first offered you the role of Will. That was really the only character we needed uh, to kind of get filled, and that role was uh, it, it was like a curse for us. Every time we we would cast somebody in that role, and then they would drop out of doing it. It's like why it's such a small role? Why are you dropping it? And uh, we ended up uh, getting uh, we I, like I know you were I don't know if you were trying to get out of it or you didn't want to do it at first, but it was like uh, I know that uh, you're like how old is this character? He seems like he's supposed to be young, and I you know and I'm like well maybe thirty my age or so, and you, and you're like all right I, I mean it's not that far from me, so we can make you look younger. So uh, we got you to do the role of Will, um, and then uh, obviously you also were the associate producer for the film, but. Uh, so what, um, I guess, uh, what finally made you decide to accept the role of Will, you know, you know, with, like, what made you decide to accept the role? Let's put it that way. Well, like I said, I, I, I only did like uh, a couple small extra roles. Right. Non-speaking, non I could, uh, I have no problem taking direction, moving around, whatever. But um, when I read about Will, 
and I'm like, okay, that's a speaking role. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'm brave enough to attempt that. Um, <laughs> but then finally, I guess, uh, got a little more confidence because I had been discussing with you about the script and, mm-hmm. and it felt like a really good team. So I'm like, you know what? got to keep pushing myself. Let's do it. Right. And that's when I went for it. Right. And it's funny because like a lot of people, almost every, I think everybody on set didn't really have experience, like whether it was acting or behind the scenes. And uh, like you said, you were nervous about the speaking role. And then I know like Crystal Kapuznik, she was our boom mic operator. She also voiced the role of Dr. Baker in a, like a voiceover scene for the um, for the one phone like answering message. And uh, she uh, said, I never thought in my wildest dreams I would even do a speaking role on camera, let alone like do a boom mic operator. This is one thing I could knock off the bucket list. I'm like, you and all of us, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And it's a dream come true. Like, we, we saw the premiere. We saw it on the big screen. It was really awesome. Like, you know, it's going to be in a couple of theaters. We'll get into those areas at the end of the interview of where you could see it for those that want to see it. But just, I mean, in three months and a $0 budget, we made a full feature film. And not a lot of people can say that. No, definitely. Yeah. So uh, what was your most memorable moment while filming Samhain? My most memorable one. And honestly, I have always thought back to this day it was the day we had the all-day shoot mm-hmm. we were there early tonight because we got to be like a big family mm-hmm. i got especially especially you and amanda i've gotten very close with right. um you know we're working closer together now and i don't know just being a part of that it, it just felt great it was it was a fun day it was long and busy we were on that schedule trying to stick by it and, mm-hmm. but that was probably the most memorable time i have because you know it just was a great day just right. being with all you guys and, and accomplishing what we were doing. Right, and also where you got to hold my hand when I was uh, going on that high beam. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, that was the day of the hike. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Terrified of heights. And I and they always say you can conquer your fears by, you know, do, by doing the fear. Like, you know, do it and then you can conquer it. Didn't work. <laughs> yeah, 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 what was it? In between, in between the day and the evening shots, we yep. went. We went up and fractal down that mountain and checked out some of the old like train ruins and right. We then who, who was it? Yeah, I think it was uh, Yags. He took us along the mm-hmm. the top of that concrete thing, and that's when I learned you had a very bad fear of heights. Yep, <laughs> exactly. And I think uh, I think that would be like because uh, for those that don't know that are listening to this uh, at the premiere and it was announced on the Facebook pages after the premiere ended. But uh, Samhain's is given a sequel, and it's going to be titled Samhain, A Festival to Die For. And I was thinking using some of those, like, locations down there to do, um, you know, like a um, – like uh, like the some of the flashback scenes when you, we get more into Relic's backstory about him escaping from the Skook Asylum and everything. I think that would be a, kind of a nice location. Oh, yeah, that, would, that actually would be – yeah great option yeah i know brett was talking about that uh i forget what it was it was like it looks like a building and he said he could it looks like it's been lit up a bunch of times like on fire and everything he said you could probably set that thing on fire have a couple of fire extinguishers and <laughs> he could just jump right through it and that's him escaping the skook asylum and it's already in ruins <laughs> which would be pretty cool I, I can see brett doing it and he he wouldn't have no issues doing that stunt either he wouldn't even want to wear a fire suit yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what was the best part about filming Samhain, and what was the worst? Well, um, actually, I, the best part was just being able to um, 
have so much input. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you say it? You know, um, some, some associate producers behind the scenes, they, they have their, their jobs managing the script and stuff. But with, with us, you kind of really welcomed me in. And mm-hmm. I had a lot of, uh, you know, thoughts and suggestions. And that was probably the best part about filming was being such a big inclusion in, in right. the higher stuff. Um, like I said, even the all the all day the all day scene, I I felt like I was right up there, you know, mm-hmm. I, like I was director myself and right got to do some special effects and that that it really expanded my horizons. It opened Definitely. my eyes to um, some of my more talents that I didn't realize I had and had interest in. Exactly. The worst, <laughs> the worst was probably um, maybe not. Maybe not actually get to be the director. I'm, I'm sometimes a backseat <laughs> driver when it comes to a lot of things. Right. And there were certain moments where I'm like, no, no, we, we really should do it this way. But, right. you know. <laughs> yes. And that's the thing. Like, having a director, like, obviously, the, like, even though I own the company, like, I, I took a backseat to the director because that's why I hired a director. If I didn't hire a director and I was going to make all the shots, why didn't I just direct? You know what I mean? So we obviously Gabby was involved before you were, um, but that's why we like you you coming into it. You were not even an executive. We didn't even have any. I, we didn't have any thoughts of you even becoming an executive. Like we didn't have any plans on that at all. But then you really showed what you're capable of and how you stepped up, and we made you the chief operating officer for a reason because you showed just as an associate producer um you were able to you know still do directorial you know um di- directorial tasks and you were able to uh, manage and you were able you have like you showed like how well you are at understanding this stuff and how you can get it done and like you stepped up in so many ways and i think um as a team you me amanda shane we all are great um together and we work well together and like yeah we'll have disagreements here and there but that's where we get all of our good ideas because the disagreements turn into compromises that become amazing you know ideas and scripts and thoughts and plots and everything that's the key word compromise I, i've noticed since we've been working together yep we, we might be button heads on stuff but it's not okay it's my way or the highway or right it's, hey let's how can we how can we get the best of both worlds? Right, and I know, you know. Right, and a lot of people like say, like Scotty, you're the owner, aren't you? The one that like gets the final say on everything. I'm like, I do, but I don't want it that way. I want us all to compromise on something that makes us all happy. Because what's the point of working on a project if somebody didn't get didn't like something and they were shot down immediately and they're going to be working on it and be miserable? Like then you're not going to get a good product because they're miserable on doing something that they didn't really you know get any input on like i want everybody at least the executive team to compromise on it like our cast and crew they have to do what you know is being told by us but i want all of us to you know compromise on it so we can you know make sure that whatever we have going on you know it 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 benefits everybody and everybody's happy with the final product that we're going to be putting out there right and 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 that that could be part of maybe the worst about filming sound for me too was was there was you know you were your hands were tied. There was contracts in place on you know yep. jobs we hired, and there were some issues at times um, with um, maybe someone in in decision making mm-hmm. uh, status that it was their way or the highway, yep. and so that, that you know mm-hmm. that, that kind of put a little hindrance on some things too. But exactly, you know we we uh, we learn from our mistakes. We know what choices now to make, and you know we. We know who's working together, and that's what's moving forward for an even better 
Exactly, exactly, and like uh, that, like I interviewed a uh, Tommy McLaughlin. He uh, was the director of Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. Jason lives, and I think I told you this story already. I'll tell everybody else if they didn't listen to that interview. But we were. T- he asked me how my movie was doing and everything because he sees it on my Facebook, and I told him and everything. And I said that uh, that it, I mean we made some mistakes, but uh, I mean and it's not the best movie out there. I mean it's not Hollywood status, but it's really good for a three month no, no budget movie, and it's re- actually not that bad. And uh, he go, I, he said, you know what I tell everybody when they ask me what my, what uh, my favorite movie is? And I said, what? He goes, the next one. Oh, like, yeah, that's right. You can yep. say that. Yep, and that's a really a good uh, a good inspirational takeaway from that interview because it really is. Like, first of all, it was our first ever movie. We never made a movie before. Like, not, not the company. I mean, it is the company's first movie, but I mean, anybody that was associated with the project never made a movie before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, a lot to learn. Yes, exactly. And now this question for those that want to see Samhain and haven't seen it yet, this is a spoiler alert question. You are about to be spoiled about something in the movie. Um, I don't know how Amanda will feel about me spoiling something, but I am allowed to do it. <laughs> um, but it is uh, it is a spoiler <laughs> question that uh, I want to let everybody know. If you don't want to hear anything that's spoiled, I would say go maybe... Then you know, fast forward like three minutes of this interview. But uh, <laughs> so we know we want to know how was your death scene prepped and filmed? Um, because uh, we did get some good feedback during the premiere of the blood and gore that uh that that scene actually had from those in attendance. So can you walk us through on how they uh made everything go the way it did? Well, thanks for spoiling for me. I didn't realize I died. <laughs> um, the day we were filming my death scene, um, I remember we, we did have a time constraint, mm-hmm. but we had kind of it all planned out. I know Brett Brett was a big who. Between him, um, you were there too. Yep. Yes. Yeah, you got injured that day. But I did. I got, I got a rusty fence. Uh, no, I got a rusty fence in my kinda, ribs. We, we went over the script scene on how it was played out mm-hmm. and he kind of was able to run with it hey because he uh, he's i guess practiced in this stunt era and and done a lot of he's very active so i let him run with it and i told him you know i'm not afraid to get hurt let's let's try and make it as real as possible mm-hmm. um so we kind of played out each part we just did slow motion and say okay i'm here brett and you're here and we practiced and practiced to try and get the timing right and then when it came for the death moi, we had to actually um, film, stop, film, stop, and then right before the knife was going up through me, we had to fill my mouth with fake blood. And it was, well, there was Alka-Seltzer in my mouth and a big, big, big thing of fake blood that was made from dish soap and a bunch of other stuff. So it didn't taste the greatest. <laughs> but my the only thing going through my head was, we only have one shot. Don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. <laughs> so I, went, I waited for action, and I gave a little bit, and I just let it flow. It and it actually came out pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the fight, the fight scene, that was my first real, like I said, doing something like this. And I probably would have uh, wanted to do a couple more takes, but um, I think it wasn't too bad. But little secret, and I'm not sure if you remember, we had the fake knife, like like mm-hmm. you said, it yeah. was a low or no budget film so we had to work with what we could and do the best with it well the fake knife was retractable mm-hmm. and every time brett and i would act out the scene where i'd stab him and he'd grab the knife mm-hmm. off me 
the blade kept breaking. I remember that. Pop off, so we'd have to stop, fix the knife, and try it again. And there was there's some good bloopers because um, I kept laughing every time the knife would uh, would totally break. <laughs> <laughs> and for those that want to see said bloopers and all the other bloopers we got, they will be on the DVD. And at the end of this, I'll tell you when and where you can get the DVD as well to see the bloopers. But yeah, uh, it it was it was it the the scene looked really good and it was funny because I know we have one shot and I don't think it made the movie if I'm not mistaken ob- for obvious reasons. But you can see like the blade like coming out and it might have originally made the movie, but I think we had to cut a little bit more in editing. But like you can see the like blade like go out of your chin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know what though? Yeah. For 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 the the low budget movie we did. There's a lot of people out there that enjoy that kind of stuff. Like, yep. they know it's it's our first movie. It's a cheesy movie, but let's make the best with the story. And I I know I know I will go on you know Amazon Prime and I will pick a movie that might never ever been heard of, low budget, and I'll enjoy it. Like I'll appreciate mm-hmm. it for how they made it. And yep. there's a lot of people out there who love that kind of stuff. Right. Exactly. Like even Thanks Killing, like yeah. such a horrible horrible movie <clears throat> with a, a very bad uh cgi turkey <clears throat> but it it works like it, it it's low budget and there are, there is a cult following for horrible horribly bad low budget no budget independently yeah. made fan films i mean you'll have you'll have some people who only want to see you know hollywood productions and <clears throat> but for everybody else i only have you know one question are you not entertained? No. <laughs> right. <laughs> if it's, if it's yeah. Did you still get entertained? And that's if I'm entertained, I'll I still appreciate the movie. Exactly, and like even ha- Halloween. Now it's a Hollywood movie, but when it first started, it was an independent film. It was a low budget, no budget independent film. Yeah. Like even three hundred thousand dollars that they had to make it. Like that's still literally a low budget, no budget film because that sounds like a lot of money. I wish I had that much money, but it still is not a lot. It's still not a lot of money to make a movie because you got to pay your cast and crew, you got to buy all the equipment, you got to you know do this, that, and the other. And it it does. I mean, for this movie alone, it cost me over six grand of my own cash. Like, and I'm not getting any of that money back because anything we make from the movie is going right into you know to our company. Yeah. So like yeah. I I I spent about six grand on on the movie of my own cash and um and that's a lot of money to me, let alone three hundred thousand dollars. But they got Mustafa Akkad to you know invest in that. But still. Oh yeah. I mean yeah. it's still it's I mean six thousand dollars and we were able to make what we did and do it in three months. Imagine doing that with Halloween, you know, with three hundred thousand and and they still have editing issues. Like I, I love the scene when Michael's looking outside the bush and then he goes away and and he goes up towards the bush and he's seen John Carpenter cigarette smoke coming out of the bush. <laughs> like just things like that it's it's cool like people look for that and they like that about a movie they like to see can I find a continuity error yeah and really until you're until you're either you know if you ever get a chance to be in a movie that's that's so awesome but even until you're behind the scenes of a movie Mm -hmm. you don't realize how much is involved and it's it's an art form it is you know I and I love it I I love every second of it and I love the rest of our cast and crew because they we all worked for free to get to get us somewhere i I couldn't have asked for more better people to work with right and it it really was it was great and like they say they say movie magic it really is movie magic it it really is like it you you can't tell you can't even believe how hard um it is to make a movie like everybody says oh that movie sucked like how do they how can they be how they should be ashamed of themselves 
No. How about you get off your ass and try to make a movie and get people that are willing to work for free, you know, and get the money to make, you know, to make this movie. And let's see how good of a job you can do doing it. Because I guarantee you most will quit because it really is hard. And there were times that Amanda and myself, like, we all wanted to walk off set because it got frustrating, especially those long days where we had to be on set for 7, 8 in the morning (laughs) and we didn't get done till midnight. (laughs) I I like the old days, but I didn't like the earlies. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. We would, like, like... the original plan was to do, you know, Saturdays in the evenings because most people worked Monday, so we would, you know, they would be off Sunday, so we would do Saturday nights, and then we would do Sundays during, you know, the during the day, and uh, we did that a cu- right in the beginning a little bit, but then, you know, as you know, we, it's a Halloween type of movie, so we need the fall time. So as the closer it got to, you know, getting that when fall was getting close to being over, we had to, you know, double up on some uh, Saturdays to ma- do day shoots, night shoots, day shoot, night shoots, and then we take a break for lunch, and then we take a uh, we we finished as much as we can for the day scenes. I know the fight scene we had in the at the Northwood Park with with the the four nerds and uh, Brett, um, and that like that that was they were amazing, amazing scenes. But yeah. that was we were very close. It was almost getting dark out, and we were very we were running out of daytime. And we were like, okay, we gotta hurry. We gotta stop screwing around. We gotta hurry up and get this shit finished because if we don't, we're gonna be screwed. Like we're literally gonna be screwed because we're gonna run out of daytime, and we can't film it at night. It's a day scene because when you edit it, you're gonna see the next scene's gonna be another day scene. So it wouldn't make sense continuity wise if the sun is going down. Yeah, definitely. There's so much planning and thinking involved with it. Like, cause you have to think, what's the next scene? Is the next scene the day? Is the next scene the night? Because well, when I, even if you're filming out of order, in editing wise, if it looks like it's getting it's nighttime or it's going or the sun is setting, but then the scene after that is pure daytime, you're, it's not uh-huh. it's not right. <laughs> oh my god! Definitely. I think we we, we put together um, a lot of last minute stuff with with planning scenes and scheduling. Pretty pretty yeah. darn good. I know. Yeah. You know, even while there was a lot of important, like, even legal stuff you were handling. Yep. And me with the script trying to figure out, okay, when are we doing this? Amanda, my gosh, she she was like a wizard with, hey, okay, well, how about if we do this and this and this? Right. And we go to you and you're like, perfect, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and like, and I mean, and things happen unexpectedly. I had Shane interviewed a couple of months ago. Um, and, uh, he, he spoke about his injury. He had a real life injury on set. He, he tore his meniscus. Yep. So uh, Gabby, our director and Sarah and Abby, um, they all took, uh, Shane home cause they all live in the same area. And I had a, and I, and it was late at night. I mean, it was, I think it was the last scene we we're actually going to shoot that day. Right. We might've had the night, the, the ending of the movie we we're going to shoot as well. I don't remember. But uh, anyways, uh, I had a uh, instead of me going home at like you know ten o'clock at night, I had to go follow them to St. Clair because I had to take Shane's injury waiver paper, say you signed this, you signed this, and I had to like I had to fill out all these like these like legal documents to make sure he won't sue us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's like, I wouldn't sue you even if I didn't sign it. I'm like, yeah, I know you wouldn't, but it's safety first. <laughs> yeah. I would hope not. You aren't exactly. I know exact exactly. Shane, so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So uh, the next question I do got for you. Um, so let's see. So we know that uh, Samhain, uh is our first full feature film, and uh, with that being our first feature, comes some errors and mistakes that we make and learn not to make them in the future films. So based on filming Samhain, what are some mistakes that you would like to use as a learning point when filming our next two feature length films, Killer Party and Samhain, A Festival to Die For? Are you saying I make mistakes? 
face. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, I think, um, well, I think the, the main thing would be I would like to, what really taught me was patience. Mm-hmm. We, uh, when it comes to scenes, it's better to have more film of nothing than not enough film. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's an issue that we did notice we had, especially in editing. There was some stuff we uh, were like, oh, what do we have to work with? You know, we should have got more on this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's the biggest one. Right. Just taking our time, getting some more footage. Um, if I could, I'd have the camera rolling nonstop just to catch anything that we could use. Right. But, um, yeah, and I, I'd like to do more of, to me, it's about showing the story mm-hmm. and not necessarily telling the story right and i think with us all being so new in Samhain, mm-hmm. you know we were all focused on oh we, what are our lines what are our lines you know and right i i want to i want to work more towards just naturality and, and right. that yeah and i i think a big issue on Samhain, especially now um we didn't perfect it even to this date and we, i would like us to eventually perfect it because it would be something that would be good for night scenes is lighting yeah yeah like we used a lot of natural light, which is like, oh great, we use natural light. It's gonna look more authentic. But then when you're watching it, it's like it, it can be kind of hard to see what's going on. So it's yeah, like, we learned in, in editing too. Yep, it's easier to have it too bright and make it dark mm-hmm. because once it's too dark, you really can't make it brighter. Exactly, exactly. And like even camera angles, having multiple camera angles, that would be a good thing to have as well. Like just just oh. little things like that would be. Uh, something that you know that we can you know improve on not just future films but just like just like learning experiences to take away from you know from making something more um more like to get the audience more into it and give them you know more footage to look at more different like different viewpoints whether it's the pov shot or you know a wide angle or something yeah and that that kind of goes with how i want to be able to show show the story right you know Yep. That's the way that's the way I would, that's the way in my heart. Just say the word camera angles. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh, we do know you'll be making your directorial debut with Killer Party and you're also writing that film. This is going to be our the second full feature that Gravestone will have uh have to offer. So can you tell us a bit about what Killer Party is going to be about? Okay. Well, I still got to say we have it's called Killer Party right now. I'm still I'm still kind of shooting out ideas. I'm I'm not fully sure if the name fully fits what we're trying to see achieve. I guess as we get closer to the final script, but um, mm-hmm. rough idea. I'm kind of basing it off of everything that's going on right now with the pandemic. Um, but I'm making it on a little more of a a horror sci-fi kind of end, where the the virus that's going around is a lot more um, rough. It's mm-hmm. a lot more fatal and the government is imposing a mandatory stay-at-home order where everything except for you know hospitals everyone has to be in their home and a group of friends decide hey it's getting a little sketchy this is getting scary let's let's take off let's get out of town they decide to go to this spot they know about deep in the woods and they're gonna have just an awesome weekend party camp get away from it all until it's time to come out Mm -hmm. well little do they know one of them is infected and they don't even realize it and chaos ensues it starts showing symptoms and um without divulging they're kind of stuck out there and have to survive and try and find their way out 
while dealing with their own conflicts, you know, yeah. man against man, woman against woman. And um, I don't want to spill too much after that, but it's it's uh, yeah, going pretty good. Exciting. That's exciting, though. Um, so at the premiere, it was also announced that not only Killer Party was going to be in the works for us, but another film um, that is going to be filming after that um, is a sequel to Samhain, titled Samhain, A Festival to Die For, and I'm going to be writing that one, of, of course. You're going to direct it. Um, so what would you like to see added into Samhain, um, A Festival to Die For, that might have been left out or neglected to include during the making of Samhain? Well, the first thing, um, which it's not that you didn't have it in the script, it just somehow got left out, was more character development. I know there were some other characters you had kind of had more info about originally, and um, some choices were made, and beyond our control, they were left out of the movie. So I think I, I would like to see more character development for some of our main characters, get to know them a little bit more. Um, right. We've got a, kind of a taste in Samhain. But I think with this next part, how everything is just kind of going to unleash, secrets are going to unfold, um, and the deaths. I, I want to show more detailed, uh, as you see, kind of deaths, yep. um, whether it be with the effects or even do old school like Friday the 13th cutaway scenes where then you know what's happening and you see the blood splattering against the wall or just to kind of keep everyone even more on edge. Right. I say, I say that's what I'd like to see us do differently for Samhain. Right. So what I can say is is that I am starting to write the script and more focusing on getting Samhain, you know, ready for an Amazon Prime streaming release and DVD and all that stuff, but um, I do have the storyboard all written up. I have some of the script written, and I can say a lot of the deaths are very graphic in this one. It's definitely going to make the original look very, uh, very tame. Nice. Which is exciting. Like, there is a lot of graphic deaths in this, which is pretty cool. And, and like we said, too, we, we learned a lot from making yes. Salon, whether it be just filming, scheduling, um, effects, scenes. Mm-hmm. And we have, we're going to, you know, bring on all the best crew that's going to make the movie. Yeah. Um, and this one's going to be, it's going to blow the other one out of the water. Salon, Salon, I think, was great. For, for what we had to work with, the time mm-hmm. and the ability, and the money, great. And uh, <laughs> Samhain Two Festival Dive Force is gonna even blow that out of the water. Oh, I People can't wait! Love it. I can't wait. Um, so we do know that things can change. However, do you have a set timetable to tell our listeners about Killer Parties? So, for example, do you have like a rough estimate on when casting calls might be held, filming? Uh, when filming might take place, a completed first or final draft of the script, etc. Now you can just give like months or years or whatever, but like any like specific details that can kind of let everybody keep an eye out of when, like a rough estimate of when everything should be announced. Sure. Well, right now I've been busy with, um, I'm kind of starring in the newest Mission Impossible movie. So <laughs> once we're done, <laughs> no. Um, like you said, anything can change, but my my personal goals is I would like the script to be finished by the end of October, beginning of November, okay. give us a chance to review, final approve it, and do any final editing or changing. Have that all done before 2020 is over. Mm-hmm. And early spring, um, if everything's all set in place with um, all that, then location casting, location scouting, 
and work on casting. My goal would, I would love it if we could start filming, you know, by the end of May. That'd be awesome. So and it, it, it is, it's right now it's looking that that's a good possibility for this timetable to happen. Okay. The script I've been, I've been writing and then I go back and I'm like, Oh, well, you know what? I want to add this and, and it make this better. And then I change this. So I'm kind of going ahead and then coming back and going, <laughs> but it's coming along good. It's right. coming along good. And is, think, go ahead. I no, I think, I think killer party, um, will be no, whether we keep the name or, or change it, whatever. I think this will be a movie also. That's going to make gravestone very well known. I, I really yeah. have a good hopes for this. I'm so glad to hear that. And, it's funny because I remember Killer Party was kind of just a joke, really. Like, it was more of me sending Amanda a voice message. And I'm like, hey, what do you, what do you think about making a movie where, you know, we, we or people get this deadly virus and they go into the woods to quarantine and they or something like that. And they basically get, uh, you know, they end up dying one by one. And we call it Killer Party because it's going to be a party that you're going to die at or something. And she's like, oh, my God, I love that. <laughs> and then, like, we got you involved, and like, you, you, you wanted, we wanted you to direct, obviously. So you directed this, and you, we got you to, you wanted to write it. So we're like, yeah, have fun with it, make it your own, and you wrote it, and uh, yeah, it's exciting. It's gonna be a great movie. Um, I really do have uh, high hopes for this as well. Um, I really do see it uh, being, uh, being definitely a, a one of the uh, like a killer film, pun intended. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And for the listeners out there, like it's not, it's not just going to be your typical. Oh, they go out in the woods, they start dying and fight. No, it's going to be, it's going to have so much more. It's, it's yeah. going to be, it's going to be good. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Um, so, uh, what kind of vibe are you aiming for with Killer Party? Like, what kind of atmosphere? What kind of like setting? Like, are you looking at dark and creepy and scary? Are you looking more at suspenseful action and adventure? Or like, what are you looking at for Killer Party in terms of the atmosphere and vibing? Well, my goal with Killer Party is: um, Have you seen the movie Twenty Eight Days Later? No, you wanted to kill me when you stepped over my house last weekend. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. For those who have seen that movie, the kind of suspense that's in that. Now, it's, it's a scary one. People get this, and this virus comes out, and they get this incredible, like, rage, and, and it's all through the city of uh, London and stuff. But it's not just your typical gore and blah. They have a lot of suspense, and, and that's what I want with Killer Party. Like it's a, I call it a suspense thriller with the taste of fear and blood. It's, like a, it's about survival and, you know, everyday, everyday life meets total change. And that's where I'm going with that. Killian Murphy stars in 28 <laughs> Hours Later, and just his portrayal nice. of going through the whole thing is, is just kind of the vibe I want to go for. Nice. So, like, I now would I be right or wrong when I say that uh, this movie would, like, if, you, if there's people out there that are afraid of horror films, like somebody that would never go see a Samhain, would never go see a Samhain, a festival to die for, would this be a movie for them to also see, or would this be like a Stay Away is still a horror-based film, or is this more of a suspense, drama, you know, mindfuck type of movie? Well, <laughs> there is there is going to be some uh, some a little bit of gore. There's going to be some some spot, spots that might gross some people out, but but there's a lot of story with it. Okay. So I mean, if they they're gonna get scared. My goal is to still have them scared. Right. Um, Sounds good. Give it a try. If you don't like movies like 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre that are blah, 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 you might like this one then because it's right. similar reactions but different style. Right, that's so, kind of where I was getting at it. Like people that don't like a Friday the 13th or a Samhain type of slasher horror type movie. This one's more of a more of a mind fuck in a way, more of I guess you would say a drama thriller. You know, uh, it's basically got a lot of dramas wrapped into one. Yeah, because I guess because even with Killer Party, the way I'm writing it, it would technically happen. Right. It's, it's not something that couldn't happen, so that that's kind of also gives it a little bit of a scare. Right now, is this any? Uh, is it, is this going to be like any relation to like a Cabin Fever? Um, I guess the only similarities really are. They went out into the woods to a cabin, not really to quarantine or anything. They were just going to party. These, these, this group of friends have a purpose of why they're leaving town. They're they're going right. out there, and stuff just happens, and right. it's scary, you right. know. And so I I, I kind of I, I did like the movie Cabin Fever. I yeah. won't lie, I love that movie. It actually um, is a good movie. I did, I did see that one a long time ago. Yeah. But I did see that one. And I, I love being out in the woods. I love right. camping, so I'm kind of using some of my own interests to feed off of with this. Right. And for everybody that want, that is wondering why I'm asking these questions, it isn't just for you, the listeners. I'm kind of trying to get some insight as well because I'm not writing this, this script, so I don't know anything about it yet. <laughs> so I, re- I really don't. I gave you a little taste, but then I'm making everybody else wait. Yes, exactly. I only saw, what, like maybe two or three pages at most, maybe? Yeah. If yeah, that... Just to kind of quench your thirst and be like, hey, it is going. <laughs> yep. Yep. Especially, I mean, and a lot of people, like, like that's, like, I know Amanda gets sometimes annoyed by it, and you might as well, and Shane might, like, I always, like, try to, like, you know, make decisions on and all the time, like, without, like, really getting people, like, the way I word things, and it's like, I'm not trying to be controlling and trying to say it's happening and you your opinion don't matter. It's more of, like, I'm, I'm trying to be a boss and trying to, you know, make sure that everything is going the way, it, you know, is going kind of on schedule because if I didn't and say nothing's getting worked on and I don't know about it and I'm not, you know, getting any updates, it's like, okay, what do I tell people that are asking, you know, Gravestone Films or asking me, uh, when is Killer Party coming out or when is, you know, Sound and Festival that I, you know, kind of get that insight for them. Like, so, you know, kind of like just being a boss, basically trying to get, keep the ball rolling and trying to see where we're at with things. Like, I don't want to see the whole script. I just, you know, just kind of get a taste, see is, where things are, you know, kind of falling into place. Yeah, and, and like what I've noticed about you is you're a, a doer. Yep. Like you're, I'm writing the script for Killer Party, so you might have other things that you want to tackle, like you know, like the DVD box art for Salwin or yep. events, promotions. So you know, you're always going to have yep. decisions and questions for us. And, right. You know, when we get ahead of ourselves, you know, you'll you'll tell us when you get ahead of yourself we yep. tell you hey, hey amanda has no problem saying that she's like she's like we have a and i'll just say this because i'm going to be mentioning it in tyler's interview on saturday but uh just to let everybody know that uh we are working on a short fan film can't say anything about it um but uh i can say that we are working on a short fan film that is going to be in between these projects that's not going to it's just going to be a it's not going to be anything that will be in theaters or on DVD or anything like that. It's just something short um, that we're going to do to keep, you know, our fans and our followers, you know, kind of, you know, update on what we're doing and give them a little quench of some things that from our cast and crew, you know, so they know what's going on. But anyways, uh, yeah, like, um, so, yeah, while we're, like, I don't even know what my, what my point was with that, but, yeah, <laughs> I just lost my train of thought. But, uh, yeah, um, I mean, when we're, we're doing these, like, these short films and everything, like, yeah, that's it. Amanda was, like, you know, she's saying to me about, you know, uh, 
you know, don't don't tell anybody. I know you want to tell them, but work, you could start working on the poster yeah. for it. But it's like, I'm like, yeah, exactly. Like, because she knows I, that would be something I would go and do because when I am excited, I want to put it out there for everybody else to be a part of. But as an owner of a company and also with an executive team who also has equal say, it's one of those things that I can't just blow it out there, especially because we're under an NDA clause. And, and a while ago, we had a lot going on because we were getting ready for the Salon premiere. It yeah. would get delayed. So there was a lot going on. Before we had the uh, the exec chat, there was a, a funny little kind of joke between me and Amanda where, depending on what we were doing, <laughs> she would go to me, okay, you're on Scotty duty this week. Any questions he has, you handle them. <laughs> or she'd be like, all right, Amanda, you're on Scotty duty today. I got something to do. <laughs> the, but oh my God, that premiere was so hard. Like It, it was so time-consuming. It was so exhausting, so stressful. It was probably the most exhaustful thing I've ever had to put together, and it it was really, 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 really bad. It came out really good, and it it was an it it was amazing. I did great doing my opening and closing speeches. The red carpet premiere went amazing. The showing went well. We sold a crap ton of merchandise, but it was very stressful putting together a full feature premiere. And it was supposed to be happen in March, then May, and yeah. then June, then July, and it finally happened in July. But it, it finally happened. I was, I was glad. I was too. And you were even like, we were all getting really depressed. We all were getting depressed because it's like we want someone to have that. We want to have that chapter closed, not forgotten, but closed. And to get that closure yeah. is to get that premiere, so all of the cast and crew and their friends and family can come and enjoy all the hard work we put into this movie. That blood literally the blood literally the sweat literally the tears like it was we when we say the blood the sweat and the tears like it's literal and i think most of the blood was mine (laughs) yeah yeah i'd say i'd say so thankfully for david Furman being on side a lot of times with his first aid kit yes he was he was definitely a good medic he he stitched me up, but he really rubbed that out, rubbing alcohol on my ribs that I got with a that I scratched with a rusty fence. He's like, "It's a scratch. It's no bigger than a paper cut." <laughs> um, let's see. So, um, so I guess to give everyone an insight of what kind of director you're going to be, uh, what would your main focal points be in directing both Killer Party and Sound a Festival to Die for? Um, I'd have to say my big focal point will be on point of view mm-hmm. I want I want to I want to be the type of director that makes the audience feel what the characters are feeling mm-hmm. I want them to not just see but also feel I want them right. to be in their shoes and and that's that's the kind of direction I plan on going mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, directors I've seen kind of use that and it really was always my favorite mm-hmm. um, you know we'll have obviously regular shots too but I, I just think it, it adds so much more, mm-hmm. you know, you connect with the characters, you, you fall in love with them, you hate them, you, you know, and that's what I think will really make our movies connect out there. Right. And I, I love when you can have a character that you love and when they're killed off, you literally feel the pain, like you lost a loved one and it's just a, a fictional character. And one good example of that is in Friday the 13th, part seven, the new blood, when Tina's mom, Mrs. Shepard, Amanda Shepard, was killed off. Thank you, Dr. Cruz, Terry Kaiser, who I did interview. Uh, but he uh, he held her as like a human shield. And just seeing her getting that brush hook right through her, 
Like, when I first saw that, like, I felt like I lost my best friend. Like, I lost a mother. Like, I loved that character. Like, Susan Blue played that character amazingly. Like, you felt you loved that mom. All she wanted to do was help her daughter. And she didn't do anything really wrong. Like, she was like, she didn't do anything that would warrant Jason to kill her. And she got killed off. And the fact that she got killed off, it, like, it hit me hard. And that was a good, that was good script writing from the script writer writing the character good uh, acting from the actress herself and good directing on the director John Carl Buechler for telling her how to play this role and exactly how to portray Amanda Shepard so it comes off so she, when she acts it it comes off you know sympathetic and lovable by the fans yeah yeah and that's something that like I mean especially even in Samhain like the first one like I mean Everybody hated Regina, but other people loved Regina because they loved the snarky yeah. bitchiness. But then some people just thought she was a pain in the ass. Um, and uh, and you know I'm not going to spoil anything, and I'm not saying if she lives or dies. But uh, what I can say is that uh, is that uh, like just I don't know how to describe it. Like just when I guess when ever something bad were to happen to her, they're like. Like they would cheer, they would be happy because they didn't like her. She's a horrible character. The same thing for Benji. Benji's a dick. Like, and the fact that Regina's a dick, like we kind of go into her backstory, and we 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 don't dive into it much, but we dive into her backstory a little bit um, on why she hates Halloween and why she is a bitch to her son and to his friends and why she is like. And we and we kind of get why she hates Benji, and Benji does all this stuff to make her hate him, and like it really is a complicated relationship, but it's really it's really cool. Like it's re- it, I think that character development was really good. Yeah, I I actually cried when Will died. I, <laughs> I, I, had, I, had a, I had a strong connection with Will, and and that I bet the, the, I teared up when he died. <laughs> <laughs> So do you plan on show? I know you have a couple kids. So you plan on showing uh, your kids uh, the movie anytime? Oh yeah, yeah, they'll watch it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I, I, when I was a kid, I, I I always loved horror. So. Yeah, I did too. I and I think I the first movie I saw was Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven, and I believe I was like six or seven years old, and I was I, I have a lot. I'm really close friends with a lot of. Um, horror actors and actresses, mainly from the Friday the Thirteenth franchise, and one of them I'm really, really, really close with is Lar Park Lincoln, and she played Tina Shepard, the lady with telekinesis in uh, Part Seven, and uh, I'm really good friends with her. And uh, she yelled at me because uh, she because um, I watched the movie at like six or seven years old, and she would never let her kids watch it until they were like fourteen, fifteen years old. <laughs> but yeah, when I was basically when i was a kid and i'm talking young i got to see friday the 13th mm-hmm. um one of the one of the nightmare on elm streets and texas chainsaw massacre the original nice i uh my stepdad's aunt would always let me borrow her vhs so she had a huge horror <laughs> collection but funny story when i was kids i was a kid me and my friends we would always play friday the 13th nice and it was just so fun. My one friend, Jen, her older brother, would be Jason all the time, and we'd be hiding and trying not to get killed, nice. and I'd always get killed. But I was terrified of Freddy. Oh, I was terrified. Nice. But my trick, when you were little, yep. you think, okay, you don't... What, what happens when you're scared of the killers in the movie? You get killed. Right. So, so Freddy comes to your dreams. So I'd always be like, 
yeah, Freddy, get him, Freddy. I'd be like Freddy's best friend. He's not going to kill me if I'm his best friend. <laughs> so I would always <laughs> nice. root. I'd always root for Freddy so that he wouldn't come kill me nice. when I was like seven. <laughs> nice. I have actually two funny stories uh, of kind of scary when you're young, though. Um, one of them is kind of scary when you're young. The other one is more of embarrassing. But uh, I'll tell the the scary one first. Uh, but um, I know uh, when um, I was younger, um, it was Friday the 13th. It was a thunderstorm outside, and it was night. And they had a Friday the 13th marathon on. And I was watching it, and my mom and dad were home, but they were in the bedroom and everything, and I was watching it in the living room. And uh, this is when my parents actually liked horror movies, or they didn't mind me watching them, I should say. Um, And, uh, yeah, I was watching uh, Friday the 13th Marathon, and right as Jason turned off the uh, the power in at, in the movie, our power went out at the same <laughs> exact time. I was freaking out so bad. I ran. I'm like, Daddy, 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 Daddy. He's like, what? What? What's wrong? What's wrong? I'm like, Jason's here. He turned the power out. That is funny. <laughs> I'm like, what are the freaking odds of that? Um, another one is funny that is kind of related to your story. Me and my cousin Derek always played uh, Friday the 13th when we were younger. And uh, one scene, like, uh, I ended up getting killed, and I got, like, a knife in the back or something or other, and I fell down, and I fell on my back. And then he uh, got, like, stabbed in the stomach or whatever, or it might have been the back, I don't remember, but he got stabbed, and he fell, and he fell right on top of me. Like, like I was, like, leaning, like, horizontally, and he fell on top of me, like, <laughs> like sideways. And as he fell right on my stomach, I farted so loud. Oh. <laughs> and we, we still talk about that all the time, of how funny that was. Like, that is just a funny, memorable moment. And it was really, really great. Like, it really was a funny um, a funny time. Like, it was just something we still talk about it to this day. Like, do you remember when uh, when uh, I knocked the fart out of you? And I'm like, yeah, remember when, I ta- when, remember when you tackled Prince, who was my Nana's German Shepherd? <laughs> well, another movie that I really liked was Child's Play. And I, and nice. I got to listen to the podcast you have with Alex Benson on. Yeah. He, he is awesome because even to this day, he, he sounds very down to earth. He, yes. you know, he had his his time in film he's still producing music and and he's still looking forward to possible you know more film options right um i i think he's he's great shout out to you alex vincent but um <laughs> when we were kids and child's play came out my two best friends my neighbors andy and lauren um lauren had a my buddy doll Ooh. and it looked to us it looked like chucky back then so what we would do we would always hide the thing in random places in her room to scare the crap oh out of her. Oh my god! She'd open up her she'd open up her closet, and there'd be my buddy Chucky. Nice. nice. <laughs> For those that actually did listen to the Alex Vincent interview, I know you said you listened to it. Um, um, I told a story about how me and, and uh, where I got my little cousin when she was like maybe four or five or something or other, and I got her to. I told her, "Do you want to watch Toy Story?" And I yeah, sat her yeah. down, and uh, we watched. I put on Chucky, and she she went, she could not sleep for a long time. I was all, and it, it was funny because Karma got me. I got scared of it. And I was afraid of Chucky for years after that because I never saw the movie neither. I just knew it was a scary movie about a killer doll. So I just told her it was it was a, you know a Toy Story because I wanted to scare her. Well, it scared her, but it scared me too. Oh my god, I was terrified for every time I would go into freaking Spencer's, I'd be seeing Chucky dolls screaming. Yep. Oh my god, that was horrifying. <laughs> so well, the, you go ahead. I actually, I actually have a little twist because okay. you're used to asking the questions 
but I actually have a couple questions for you. Oh, okay. That maybe maybe your uh, viewers or listeners would like to hear. Okay. So can I ask you some? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Just a couple. All right. So you do podcasts. You you've wrote books. Written yep. Books. What made you decide to say, "Hey, I want to get in a film"? I've always wanted to get in the film. Um, even as a kid, I always wanted to be a school teacher or an actor. The only reason why I didn't get into film and the reason why I didn't go to college for film and television and actually went to school for web development, which is totally different, um, was because I didn't want to move to LA because I was afraid of flying. Um, I was afraid of earthquakes and I just didn't want to move to LA. Um, that was the main reason why I didn't like do that. But I always wanted to be an actor, and I figured. And then um, it was funny because uh, when I got my first book written back in 2016, February 2016, it was the Ultimate Friday the Thirteenth trivia book was the first one I wrote, and um, and I was a guest on. Oh, sorry, oh, it's late. Um, you know me, I go to sleep early. <laughs> um, but uh, my first. Um, my first book was out, and I was appearing on my 11th grade English high school English teacher's uh, is a um, type of sh- is a movie review show as a guest to promote it, and it was called Klimchak's Killer Collection. His name is Charlie Rice, but he goes but his uh, pen name was Char- uh, Chaz Klimchak. And uh, after we did that and everything, he asked me. Uh, he said like after we fil- filmed it and everything, I was like all fascinated by it and everything. I'm like I always wanted to go into acting and filmmaking. I never I never did it because I didn't want to move to L. A. He's like, well, I own Trash TV Streaming. I don't know where. He, I think he got the name because like everything on TV is trash or something like that. I don't know. But he's like he's like let's go. He said I own a, the company Trash TV, TV Streaming and it films right in here and we do movie reviews and all that stuff and eventually we'd like to go into into movies and that. So long story short, um, he asked me if I wanted to join. So that's where I I, I met ended up meeting Ben Craig, which we, we eventually we you know with Scott Yagelinski we got into Gravestone. But then uh, we end up having uh, then uh, I got Scott Yagelinski to work with Mr. Rice too, and I filmed about six no five, uh, five or six of the of the episodes like all the ones upon a time seasons I filmed of my reviews. Um, I was able to I was able to branch them out into ten into a full season um, after I ended up leaving there because me and Mr. Rice or Mr. Klimchak whatever you want to call him ended up getting on a major disagreement because it was uh, we were filming in his attic studio it was the middle of the summer it was like it was like 200 degrees out and the freaking curtains wouldn't stay up with the sticky tape so he made me go to buy more sticky tape at the dollar store I did and there was they were all sold out and he had a freaking rant and a bitch moment like bitching at me about you need to get these sticky tapes we need to film this yada 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 so i had enough of it and i quit and uh then yags is like scotty he's like why would you do that you got us involved now you're just bailing i'm like yeah i I couldn't handle his his bipolar anymore or whatever and he ended up uh he ended up um this is a long, quite long answer to a question, but anyways, uh, yeah, but anyways, uh, <laughs> he ended up uh, treating Yags and Ben Craig the same way, and they end up quitting. And then uh, maybe I'd say six months later, um, well, no, about a year later, because it was it was a little less than a year, because it was the following June. This was in July or August, so it was the next June. I reached out to Yags and I reached out to uh, Ben Craig, and I'm like, hey guys. What do you think about uh, you know starting up our own uh, little co- production company? We did, and uh, Yags came up with the name of Greystone Films for us, 
and uh and then i i you know i registered it and things went from there and uh i mean it, it was great like i mean it, everything happens for a reason it's funny mr rice now lives in uh now lives in um in seattle washington and there's like a gang that's going on over there that basically has some type of name similar to his that we that we like have an inside joke that like is he running this gang or whatever but he he, he ended up leaving schuylkill county because he blames me yags and ben craig for ruining his reputation oh that sounds like a, a scary movie plot line in the beginning <laughs> i know almost even better yet he was best he's an english teacher he was best friends with the the german teacher right but here he had a major falling out with him in the middle of class during one of his classes. Like he started screaming at him in the middle of classes because they had differing political views and security had to escort him out. They had to give him a psych evaluation test. They gave him the test and he ended up um, and he ended up failing or something. He ended up getting fired from his teaching job and he moved to Seattle. So, yeah, it can, it can make for a, for a, a, a psychological thriller. We'll, we'll put a pin in that one for a possible uh, brainstorm session. <laughs> exactly. Though. Okay. But um, now I'm sure almost all of your interviews were great. Yeah. Um, I've listened to quite a few of them, and they are enjoyable. Yeah. But out of all the interviews you've done, is there one specific interview or even a top three that you really enjoyed the most? Like, were there any guests that the interview really moved you, or you just felt like, wow, that was a great interview? I'll answer this in two parts. Uh, one answer for each part. So the the first part is favorite uh like uh best interview in terms of questions in terms of their answers in terms of how the flow of things went and i would have to say um christina lease uh, who played kyle in friday the 13th i mean not friday the 13th in child's play too um the re- she was really great everything really went well with that and she actually is the reason why i got alex vincent because they're really close yes. friends so uh, it was really great to ha- to interview her. That was a re- I really recommend listening to that interview. It was really good. She talked about like the puppeteering of uh, of Chucky and how everything was. You know, it's just, it was just a great interview. Um, in terms of uh, childhood fan favorite and an interview that I would um, I was like very excited about um, and an interview that I was um, like it was a dream come true. I would have to say Terry Kaiser. Uh, which I'm a little upset that like the first maybe two or three minutes of the interview was like you can hear me but you can't hear him because I had my I just, it was my first interview with my new microphone and I didn't have the settings properly set um, so like you can't hear the fir- his answers for the first two or three minutes but then you can hear everything perfectly but that was I I've always loved Doctor Cruz in Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven he also played Bernie in uh, Weekend at Bernie's um, and oh, that's right. yeah. yes and. Yeah. I always love that. I love that interview. Like he went, he went into details. I asked him if he had a stunt double for when he was getting ready to film his death scene, and they and Jason threw him back, and he's like, "No, they couldn't afford a death scene." He said, and they had like alligator and crocodile wrang. They had crocodile and rattlesnake wranglers because they were filming in the middle of a swamp, and they couldn't afford and they couldn't afford any other locations, and they couldn't afford stunt doubles to do all the scenes. So when he got that, when he had to do that stunt scene and get thrown back, he fell right on top of an, a crocodile, and the wrangler had to help. Like get them. Do we have uh, do we have any budget for rattlesnake wranglers? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> uh, well, you messed up that interview with your microphones. Now it's my show. No. <laughs> you, so you're a horror movie guy, also. Yes. Think of all the death scenes in different movies that you might have seen. Okay. If you were to die in a horror movie, one, 
how would you want to be killed and what way would you definitely not want to be killed Ooh, that's a good one uh, yeah yeah that's a good one let me think how, how long I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell you mine then too that would just just so we can even up with that one okay let me think huh that's a tough one um oh my god actually you know what I would hate to die this way in real life, but it was a, actually a freaking badass death scene. I'm going to actually pick this two answers for that one. Um, and they're both from Friday the 13th, believe it or not. I mean, yeah, obviously you believe that's one of my favorite franchises. Um, I would have to say the sleeping bag kill in part seven. And really? yeah, I love that scene. I love that death. Oh my gosh, you're brutal. I know. Oh, I get, it gets even worse. I like the Jason X liquid nitrogen scene. Oh, the face and the liquid nitrogen. Yep, and then and then broken like glass on the countertop. I would love that to happen to me in a movie. Quick, at least. Yeah, I would love that to happen to me in a movie. And the sleeping bag that would be cool too. Um, What I would not want to happen to me. Hmm. Let me think. I actually think in the reboot, two thousand nine, Friday the Thirteenth. I would not like to be hung. You know, put in a sleeping bag, another sleeping bag, and hung over a campfire. And basically get smoke inhalation and basically be toasted like a like a marshmallow over an open campfire. Oh, I didn't think of that one. That's a good one. Yeah, burning. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like like when you're in a fire, you die. Um, you when you're in a fire, you die. You know quickly because of smoke inhalation. Like you don't get burned really. But that scene, you're getting burned and you're suffocating. Like it's you're getting double dose. Okay. Well. For for the way I would pick to die, would have to be pretty much any any of like Jason's beheadings. Boom, nice, swift, quick. That's yeah. fine. Get me over. Get me over with. Yeah. Um. Way I would not want to die. Okay, pretty much any 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 way in any of the movie saws saw movies. Yeah. None of those, but they don't count. It would be. I'm pretty sure it was Sleepaway Camp Two. Okay. Where Angela drowned the girl in the porta potty. She was trying. To oh get yes, uh, yep. That yep. was part two. Yep. But also, I wouldn't want to be cooked either. But but going <laughs> on of what I was thinking, I would not want that death. That oh, that's disgusting. That was disgusting, <laughs> and you had like what were they leeches or something going on her face? Oh, that was horrible. Yeah, leeches and yeah, and, yeah. Um, oh yeah, I wouldn't everything. be able to deal with that. Yeah, that that was. That, I I can't even like you know, I could barely clean a bathroom or. <laughs> Let alone getting dunked okay. in a porta potty that's dirty and leech infested. Oh yeah, good point. Right, two more, only two more questions. Sounds two good. More questions, I'm done. So you've been given an elephant, okay? Okay. You can't you can't give it away and you can't sell it. What would you do with it? I'm confused. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh. It's, it's a random. It's a random question. No right. No right or wrong answer. Oh. I was like, what? <laughs> the real final question was. You kind of dived into it a little bit, but I, this is something I'm personally curious about because I don't think I've grasped you. But I know uh, Samhain started originally as the web series, and the whole idea right. kind of didn't go that way. But um, the whole idea of father turned killer clown escaping, you know, psychiatric treatment, returning right. to kill his family—that's pretty detailed of a storyline. Yeah. How how did you come up with with that idea? I mean, I, it might have been a couple of years, but. That whole process, the whole idea of Relic, and, and I know how you got the name Relic, right? but overall, that whole plot, like, what what popped into your heads? Like, how did that come about? So, 
when me, Yags, and Ben Craig were storyboarding, we came up with just, you know, a killer clown, Halloween, Festival of Sound type. And they said, Scotty, you're the writer, write a script. I'm like, okay. So I wrote a script. I just brainstormed a little bit, just thought of different plots. And I, I use things for inspiration. I don't steal content because I'm not a plagiarist and I don't want to get in trouble unless it's like a fan film yeah. where we you know where we can do it and put it on YouTube or whatever. But I end up using um, Halloween as a reference because it's kind of similar, right? Like there's a lot a lot of the movie there's a lot of plot points and pinpoints from Halloween, the Halloween franchise, and not just the first one, but like a various of them. But I Halloween was my main source of like coming up with a main story because it really it really makes sense like if you look at relic he's wearing a michael myers jumpsuit it's just not a trademarked one because he never wears green in the movies <laughs> oh yeah yeah plus plus also you know having no budget you kind of have to go with whatever <laughs> right you, you might have designed that totally different if, if we if had, we had like, a budget, a budget uh, originally relic was gonna wear a full flesh skin uh clown bodysuit Okay. And it was like very thin and very clear. And originally Ben Craig was going to be the killer, not Brett. So imagine Ben Craig doing it or imagine Brett Harris doing it, wearing this like very clear, uh, clear bodysuit where you can basically see underneath it and through it. But the only thing covering his dingleberries <laughs> is, uh, is a big clown face. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> that was the original thing. And like during uh, the interview with me, Yags, uh, Shane, and uh, Tyler uh, on Tony's podcast, we really dived into that into that discussion. And uh, yeah, Tony's like, yeah, because Tony was an executive later on um, as we started filming him and Nikolai. And uh, Tony's like, yeah, this isn't going to happen. We're not putting Ben in this freaking suit. He said, he said, this might be a horror movie, but I, he said, I will probably kill myself for real. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so that that's kind of where I kind of just, you know, was a writer like you even like you you're, you're a really good friend of mine. And you told me about um, you told me about like um, about like, you know, you're honest with me. You're blunt, but you're not rude. You're honest because you want you want me to. Yeah, because you want me to, you know, succeed, obviously. And we yeah. want each other to succeed. And one thing you tell me all the time about my script, especially with the short and you noticed it in sound is I don't dumb things down a bit. I, you know, give words that characters will never say. That is the writer in me because as an author, we are supposed to use those type of words. So that's why they gave me the job to screenwrite it because I'm an author and I knew what to do. And I used my, you know, my knowledge of being an author and being a storyteller to kind of come up with that. Now, yeah, I, ha I used Halloween as a background of it. But, I mean, Michael Myers didn't escape the asylum to come after his daughter and estranged wife. And he didn't have a daughter and estranged wife. And, like, Michael, yeah, I mean, he came after a sister that wasn't found out till the sequel. But, I mean, like, even, like, there's a backstory of what happened to Relic on why he is Re Relic. But, but before he was Justin Freed. Why, is he, why did he turn into this clown? What happened in his childhood? What happened to his daughter? That uh, that you know kind of uh, goes into the sequel. Like there's a bunch of different play points yeah. that is that is very specific. That really you only think of when you're brainstorming and storytellers can really come up with. And I, I could I could like watching that I could see the reference and influence yeah. Halloween had. Yeah. But it's totally it's totally its own direction. Yes, exactly. You know I mean, it's it's something totally yeah. different with how character development and plot 
you know, all that went. Right. So, definitely, exactly. Definitely still original. Exactly. I agree completely. Any more questions before I ask the last one? Um, before you ask the last one, because you know, okay, before you, because you know I'm a funny guy. Yeah. I like to put bloopers in. I have one little quip. And then you can and then you can roll just to Sounds leave your good. listeners with this uh, little humorous uh, ditty. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. So listen closely. All right. So you have there's a new doctor and he can't find a job in any hospital anywhere. So he opens a clinic and puts a sign outside that reads, "Get treatment for twenty dollars. If you're not cured, you get back a hundred. So there's this American lawyer and he thinks, "Wow, this is a great opportunity to earn a hundred bucks." <laughs> he goes to the clinic. The lawyer says, hey, I lost my sense of taste. So the new doctor goes, hey, nurse, bring me medicine from box number 22 and put three drops in the patient's mouth. The lawyer's like, oh, this is kerosene. Doctor says, congrats, your sense of taste is restored. Now give me 20 bucks. So the the lawyer goes back after a few days to recover his money. He's a little angry. Lawyer goes, I've lost my memory and I can't remember anything. So the doctor says, hey, nurse, bring me medicine from box number 22 and put three drops in his mouth. Annoyed, the lawyer's like, yo, this is kerosene. You gave this to me last time for restoring my taste. Doctor says, congrats, you got your memory back. Give me 20 bucks. (laughs) The fuming lawyer pays him, but then he comes back a week later determined to get his $100 back. The lawyer says... My eyesight has become very weak, and I can't see at all. The doctor says, well, I don't have any medicine for that, so take this $100. The lawyer stares at the bill, and he says, but this is 20 not 100 The doctor says, congrats, your eyesight is restored. Give me 20 bucks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Nice, nice. That's awesome. I thought, I thought you were going to go in a different direction and be like, hey, and it was, you were going to be like, hey, nurse. Take off your top or something like that. Oh, no, no. (laughs) Just a little little funny. uh, That's funny. That's great. So last question. What you got to to do the final presentation? (laughs) So the last question I got for you. Now, I didn't write this one down. This one I came up with, you know, earlier, and I I couldn't find my pen, and I already had it printed out. So I have to uh, think of a way, like, to word this properly, but it shouldn't be that hard. But anyways, um... What it, like what horror movie or slasher film uh like kind of got you into being a horror fanatic? What started the whole like Carl Miller is a horror fan, you know, back when I guess when like what inspired you? I should say. Well, I think as cliche as it is, we kind of we talked a little bit about it, but it would have to be Friday the Thirteenth. Mm-hmm. Just just the whole. Some parts you know what's gonna happen, and but you still want to be scared. Yeah. You know, I I just loved, I loved it. Yeah. When I was younger, like I said, we used to we used to imitate the scenes and stuff as, as kids and just have an adventure. Mm-hmm. And ever since I saw those movies, I just wanted more and more. I mean, yeah. you could, you got critters, you got gremlins that are kind of comedy horror, Exorcist, yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, I love them. <laughs> you know, right. Uh, you know, Hellraiser. And just, I just kept flowing. Yep. Um, that, that, that was the big one, though. Yeah. That's, that's movies of my time. You know, I was born in 81, so. All right. Yeah, and um, and I know that, uh, like, I mean, uh, that, like, for example, at the, the sound premiere 
Um, everybody knew. I'm not going to say the scene or anything because I don't want to spoil it. But there's a certain scene when you know Relic's going to be jumping out somewhere. You just know it. <laughs> you know, And you know what scene I'm talking about. But yeah. you know it. And I was watching it. Uh, I was watch- When we were having the rap party, um, I seen Kyle jump out to that scene like that okay. so i knew i knew that it was going to be a scene because if he gets scared i know everybody's going to get scared because like he's he doesn't like horror movies so anybody that's going to be like in in a theater like they're going to get scared by it. and i knew everybody knows that relic's going to jump out you just don't know when and where and how and then the scene gets closer and you know that he's going to jump out right there the way he jumped out and the way it happened and the menacing version of it I looked around once that scene was just about to happen around that whole theater, and the entire theater just jumped at the same freaking time, and I loved it. I, I did good, obviously, because I was there with <clears throat> Brett Relic the whole time behind the scenes while he's yep. making funny faces and dancing around, so I'm like, okay, I can't be scared of this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I yep. have to say one last thing about the party. I hope, I hope all your listeners... Keep up with Gravestone on Facebook. Follow the updates because, uh, like I said, all the horror movies I loved when I was a kid that I didn't like terrify me beyond belief, but yep. I was scared. There was one. It was one of the puppet masters oh. where the little little drill head guy came up on the sky while he was sleeping and drilled into his skull. Oof. For some reason, 12 years old, that terrified me for months. And wow. that's the effect I want Killer Party to have on the audience. Nice. Just that fear. Nice. So, yeah, so anybody can go to our Facebook fan page, give us a like, give us a share, spread the word, www.facebook.com slash gravestonefilms. You'll get updates on Samhain's release, and you'll get updates on Killer Party and when we start casting, and the same for Samhain, a festival to die for. And uh, you can also like us on Twitter, uh, follow us on Twitter, I should say, at www.twitter.com slash gravestonefilm, no S included. Uh, My lawyers are still working on getting those uh, jackasses that stole our name uh, and linked to our Facebook account on their page. So uh, we're we're still working on getting them to shut their shut them down, <laughs> and uh, also you can follow us on Instagram at Gravestone Films Prod. And also, um, just to let everybody know, Sound will be in select theaters. It'll be in the Majestic Theater on October 16th, 17th, 30th, and 31st, two Fridays, two Saturdays. Um, 7 o'clock is when the movie is going to start. I would say get there by 6, 6.15. Um, if you're planning on going, tickets are available. You can uh, go to Greystone Films on Facebook, and we have, a, we have an event page set up uh, with the Majestic Theater in Pottsville where, they will be, uh, where you'll be able to you know, get your tickets through PayPal. Um, also, the plan currently is to be in Hazleton at the Cinema Draft House on October 19th. It's Monday. Um, right now, uh, um, it's kind of up in the air because of the pandemic. And uh, yeah. because they are a restaurant, um, their, their seating is limited. Like, we're allowed to have 100 people in the Majestic. But for this place, they only have 50 seats because a lot of it is a restaurant as well with big tables in that inside their theaters so they can only allow 25 and they don't think they're going to make enough money uh, just with our movie or any movie for that matter to open the doors because they're going to spend more money on electric and on operating you know the the food and the snacks and everything and the projector and everything that like they might not even get their money back they might be at a loss for the movies when they reopen so they're waiting until they don't have any limitations but uh they'll keep me updated so uh, you could follow us on facebook and we'll keep, give updates as they come along um, also, plan is for DVDs uh, to be released on Amazon. Um, we plan on that being October 23rd. 
And the same thing for uh, you'll be able to stream it and rent it, buy it on Amazon Prime Streaming on October 23rd. Those are the plans. Things can change depending on if Amazon gives us any hard times with cover art dimensions and captioning and all that stuff. Um, and lastly, um, we are going to be at Creature Feature on October uh, October 17th. Uh, some of the f- cast and crew are going to be at the Majestic that night. Some of the cast and crew are going to be at uh, Creature Feature, which is going to be in Newville, Pennsylvania at the Cumberland Drive-In. Come on by. We plan on selling some DVDs, some T-shirts. Uh, you can get pictures with the cast and crew, send some, get some get some autographs, you know, mingle with us, have a good time. There's other vendors. I'm sure they'll be showing some movies, um, stuff like that. And also on September, tw- I believe it's the 26th, Carl, or 27th, 26th. It's that Saturday. Um, we're going to be in Frackville, Pennsylvania. Um, I think the only ones planning to be there right now is me, Amanda, and Carl. Um, yeah. I might see if Skylar wants to show up as well. Um but uh, Skyline and Crystal, if they want to show up, um, if, if that would be nice if they could. Um, but we're not going to get a lot of cast and crew available for that. But uh, we're going to be in Frackville, Pennsylvania. I do not know the details right now of where things are at. I don't know if you can announce any of that, Carl. Do you know anything else more than I do? Not yet. Um, I'm mad as the details. But if they stay tuned to the Gravestone Yeah. Yeah, we'll have it. Uh, we'll have it on there. Um, the plan is we're, we're just gonna sell some T-shirts. We're not gonna sell any DVDs that night, but we're gonna sell T-shirts. Um, we're also gonna sell T-shirts at the Majestic Theater, but only on the 16th. That's the only date the Majestic. We're gonna sell T-shirts. So make sure you guys come on by, get your tickets, come by and get some merchandise, and uh, meet the cast and crew. Um, it'll be a great time. You do not want to miss sound in theaters. Um, if you uh, if you do miss it in theaters, or even if you do see it in theaters, and you want to get a DVD. Um, we have a buttload of extra features. We have, uh, you know, bloopers, behind the scenes, a music video. We have, you know, uh, behind the scenes Benji infomercial that we did, an insult battle. We have the premiere red carpet and opening and closing speeches. We have everything you can think of on there. It is going to be great. Um, I can't wait for everybody's thoughts on this movie. We worked so hard on it. Three months, no budget, and a great movie. So definitely want to come out and see that. I forgot to add, too. Yes. We're working on also, is it Indiegogo? Trying to get together an Indiegogo campaign yes. for QR Party. It is already uh, done. And how I said before about, like, so you're behind the scenes. Yes. You don't realize just how amazing it is to, yep. to see how movies made. Well, we're going to have some great, we're going to have some great perks and different yep. things in our Indiegogo once it kind of goes live. So yep. stay tuned for that, too. Yep, we have Indiegogo already, uh, already finished. It's just not live yet. We will be posting on our Facebook page once it is live. We have a ton of perks that you all are going to love. That aren't just like, you know, get a DVD, get a merchandise, get a shirt, whatever, get a name in the credit. You can actually be on set helping out make this movie. So definitely get your perks when they go live. All right, I guess that covers everything. I thank you so much, Carl, for joining me. I, I know it was kind of like pulling teeth to get you on until you listened to some of my stuff. You were, <laughs> I know you wanted to wait a little closer to Killer Party, but I mean, we can have you on again to promote that once that comes out as well. I usually don't do, I usually don't do double interviews, but for you, I'll do it. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> but yeah, I think that uh, I think uh, that covers everything. I do thank you for your time. Uh, thank you again, and I also want to thank you personally for everything you've done for Gravestone Films as COO, director, writer, whatever you have done for us. I truly appreciate it. It hasn't gone unnoticed. It's great to be a part of this, and, and whoever out there is listening, thank you so much, guys. I appreciate you tuning in and keep uh, listening to Slasher Scotty. For thank great you. Interviews. Awesome. Thank you so much. You have a great rest of your night. Thanks. Yep, bye.